And the roundtables continue. It's me, Junior, up here with Donovan, Bob, and Norm. And we are here all afternoon, the entire ticket team with roundtables. We've got DJ Moose Johnston later the afternoon up here on stage. And, of course, tonight the Ticket Time Wasters will close things down. And we want to thank all of our sponsors, in particular Mullen & Mullen Injury Law Firm, our title sponsor, Lillian M. Collection and Serenian Bay Resorts and Villa. And we want to thank Deep Ellum Brewing Company for uh, providing refreshments out here all weekend long. We're having a really, really fun ticket stock, and we had such a great time last night. I heard you guys on this previous roundtable talking about the Micah Parsons interview, which was brought to us by VisitBigBen.com and by Whataburger. He was so much fun. That was as much fun as I've had in any headliner interview, save maybe for the three minutes that Nolan Ryan told us the snow monkey story, (laughs) which is the greatest moment of my life. But outside of that, that was one hour of just... Pure enjoyment with Micah Parsons. Yeah. A little worried at first because his answers were a bit short. Very yeah. much so. And I thought, uh-oh. But, man, when he loosened up, it was all all, all guns a-blazing after that. It was great. You know, it, it felt to me like a couple or three minutes into it, he got the feeling, I'm up on stage with a bunch of happy knuckleheads. This is going to be a pretty good time. Yeah. And the answers started to get longer or funnier or or whatever. And Donnie makes his new best friend in life. And <laughs> there's definitely a correlation between that openness and not asking him football questions. Yes. Yeah. You know that's and that happens a lot. You, you know, know there are guys that are just so tired of every question being. How are you going to win the Super Bowl? Right, and that's what trips me out when you go to like a media night or something like that. And Bob, you walk around all the time. I, you <laughs> observe it when you walk around, just checking it out. And if you're trying to do something even a bit funny, and some of the players are relieved with it, you know that. Yes. But then some, and it's actually the other media members that are go. <laughs> I guess I'll talk football now. Right. You know how are you going to play defense? Who cares? Right. Like they don't. I don't know. I guess some players are maybe conditioned to hear the football stuff, and they're you know that's what they want to do. But I think the majority of them just want to have some fun and BS around. And it's it's not like there's going to be some massive revelation <laughs> yeah. at media night. They're not going to give right. you the playbook. Oh. Yeah, on the fourth play, we're going to run this. I walked in with Patrick Mahomes, and he was screaming in pain. No, you aren't going to get stuff like that. Right. Uh, so you're better off having. Not necessarily a weird time, but you're better off having a good time. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I think the idea is to ask him things that would probably not be easily found on any YouTube interview of him or something like that, right? Like the, it was original content and it turned out really well. And I, I think if you've been up here doing this sort of thing for enough years, you get nervous about the young athlete. Just because I don't know where the, to steal a Don Lemon term, I don't know where the prime of an athlete's interview years are. <laughs> but it's usually not in their young 20s. Yeah. Usually in their young 20s, they're not, they're far more comfortable doing what they do than they are talking on a stage. And so to see him really enjoy that was, uh, was, was a real treat. Do you guys have an opinion on which sport 
is the best to interview? Which guys are the easiest to interview? Because for a long time, baseball was way down at the bottom. And I think they still are. Because they get hit with media questions every day for 162 games in a row, and they rarely get a day off. Plus spring training where they're facing the media every day. It's probably 200 days where they have to walk out and see cameras and microphones. So I've always understood that. And that was always when I was a young Cub reporter coming up through the ranks. That was the worst assignment, was to go to the Rangers game. And if I was stringing, which I would do a lot for a little extra money for a network, I'd always have to go to the visiting clubhouse. And that was even worse, because the Rangers, you they at least knew who you were. Right. But you went into that visiting clubhouse, and it was just awful. But I, but back then, I always found that the hockey players and the basketball players were usually great. They are. I remember one time when I was with Bob and Dan, my whole goal before Vladdy was a ranger. My whole goal was to go into the clubhouse and talk to Vladimir Guerrero. That's all I wanted to do. And I walked in, and you just kind of stand around and wait for people to trickle in. I was there pretty early. And he walked in, and you have to build up the courage to walk over there. It's Vladdy, you know? Yeah. So I go, and I walk, and I say, Vladdy, you have it? He said, no. I turned around and walked straight to my car. <laughs> I went straight to the car, got in the car, and went straight home. Like, I didn't say a word to myself or anything. I was so defeated. Like, I hate this job. Oh, man. <laughs> man. But, yeah, baseball players are uh, not not all because, you know, we're not going to blanket everyone right. with the same thing. But, yeah, usually on the scale, they aren't the nicest. Yeah, there were always a couple of really good ones in the Rangers clubhouse that you could go to every night, and they'd be great. But for the most part, I remember one time, remember the pitcher Chuck Finley from the Angels? Sure. One time I I needed to talk to him for some reason. I can't remember why, and it was it was pregame. And I went down there, and I said, Chuck, can I talk to you? And he said, i got to do some soft toss right now. I'll, I'll be with you in ten minutes. So then in 10 minutes, he's heading somewhere else. And I said, Chuck, he goes, oh, I got to do this. I'll, I'll get with you in 10 minutes. <laughs> he kept blowing me off different occasions for like an hour. Really? And he would always tell me, I'll be right with you. And then he would never circle back. So I was not disappointed when the news reports surfaced that his wife, Tani Katane, had beaten him up. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how that many. That was karma. <laughs> wondering how many Tani Katane questions were on your list for that day. Because that's pretty much what everyone thinks of when yeah. Chuck Finley's name <laughs> right. is mentioned, right? right. I, was, I was very surprised that the hockey uh, locker room is as smelly as it is. Like, it stinks. Worse than any locker room clubhouse you can It's pretty bad. Imagine. It's all that equipment. It's, I know, and I'm sweating and all that yeah. other stuff. But good Lord, the first time I went in there, I thought I was about to pass out. But they're nice. You have to be nice if you're going to wallow in all that funk. Yeah. On the flip side of my Chuck Finley story was I was out at the Stars Center once trying to do Stars interviews. And I went up to Madonna after practice. And I said, can I talk to you for five minutes? And he said, I've got a special teams meeting, but I'll get with you afterwards. So he goes in there and I'm thinking, yeah, right. This is another Chuck Finley situation. And so I'm out there trying to do something else. And like 15 minutes later, I hear Craig. I look over my shoulder, and it's Madonna, and he goes, you ready? And I was like, wow. <laughs> this is the first time an athlete actually yeah. kept his word that he'd be right with me. That's I th- cool. I think the most afraid I've ever been in a locker room was the first year I did it. It was 1972, and I'd just gotten to, to this market as a TV reporter, and Alex Johnson was a 
fine player. He was also really difficult. And he had a reputation for being really difficult. So difficult that people didn't go over to him. So I thought, I'm going to get an interview with Alex Johnson, who'd just been traded to the Rangers. So back then, the Rangers clubhouse was like, Class 1A would be ashamed of this locker room, okay? It was one gigantic room, and the lockers were chicken wire, okay? So I asked Joe Macko, the equipment manager, hey, where's Alex? Because everybody's outside having lunch, and he said, I think he's still in the locker room. I went in the locker room, and I looked, and I thought, there's nobody here. And I started to go, and across the room, Alex Johnson had taken his shoes off and his jersey off and had wedged himself into his locker and he had a cup of chicken noodle soup and a container of chocolate milk and he was in his locker taking alternate sips <laughs> that sounds like the most disgusting thing i've ever <laughs> heard yeah. so i sort of uh, went over there and i said mr johnson and he said hmm and I said, I'm, I'm Norm Hitzkus from Channel 4. And he went, hmm. <laughs> and I said, well, you're new to the club, and I was hoping I could get an interview with you. And I said, I won't take long. And he went, hmm. And I said, well, I, I tell you what, uh, finish your lunch, and maybe on your way out to the field, <laughs> my cameraman and I will be right out, right out there. And he went, hmm. So, all right. <laughs> so I went out of the locker room. I waited with my cameraman, who I think was Tom Overstreet. Lo and behold, 15 minutes later, Alex Johnson walks out of the locker room and walks over to us. Well, I'm immediately frightened. Because Alex Johnson was a big, strong dude. So we get the camera ready, and Alex Johnson stands there, and I said, um, first of all, are you happy to be in Texas? And he says, what's happy? <laughs> and, and I said, well, it, if, if you had your choice, is this one of the places you'd like to be when you were traded? And he said, we have no choice. We're slaves in baseball. <laughs> and I thought, whoa. And That was right before free agency, like two exactly. years before. I asked five more questions. I have no idea what they are, what they were. <laughs> The whole interview, my first question, the end of Alex Johnson's last answer was 57 seconds. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wow. All that, and he got out of there, boy. <laughs> I, I think it was the only interview he did that year, and quite honestly, he scared the water out of me. That's awesome. Were you on, Donnie, were you on our show still when, when I interviewed Vlad? Yeah, yeah. When Gosh. you did it in, uh, in Spanish. Yes. That, that had to be nerve-wracking for you right there. Yeah, I was... <laughs> Really, really nervous that day, but I asked the Rangers uh, about getting Vlad on, and they said, well, he doesn't really, he's not comfortable doing interviews in English. And I said, what if we do it in Spanish? And I, I don't know if it was an easy listen at all because you had to kind of stop and translate it. And I also know I, I certainly speak Spanish like a second grader, maybe, maybe <laughs> a dude, first grader. He was great, but he was really, really into it, and and I'm really happy 
I uh, left my comfort zone there for a couple minutes uh, because it, it was it was really fun to see Vlad like amused that this tall bald white guy was speaking Spanish <laughs> with him. And uh, I, I, if you're a baseball writer, I, I gotta believe you would learn Spanish just on the principle of yes, it probably would help. Oh, yes. by trying a mile. To get, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I don't understand. You know why why that would not be. An off-season project for a couple of years because it would take you quite a ways, I would think. I, I bet a lot of them have learned it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Did anybody ever walk away from an interview on you? I'm sorry? Did anybody ever walk away oh, from like, an interview? Hmm. Like in mid-interview, they just leave? Yes. Uh, we had an author the other day on our show that Lee hung Corso. up on us, said he had to go to Tampa. <laughs> That's right. What? <laughs> yeah. What? James Patterson. Remember oh my he, goodness, the yeah. mystery writer. Yeah, he hung up on us, kind of. Was uh, that toward the end? Yeah. Had, had he, been on a while? Oh, he ended the interview. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember him yeah. ending it. I did, just didn't know what, how long Tom Landry once hung up on us, but those are all phone interviews. Lee Corso got up and left. Oh, that's right. On that famous day. Yeah, Peter King hung up on Norm because he called him, he said his middle name was Boatswain. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> my middle name is Andrew. Click. <laughs> <laughs> really? It was so yes. funny. It was at the Normathon. Okay. And it got Peter King. We're talking football. And all of a sudden, Norm said, you have to explain to the, me, this to me. Your middle name is Boatswain. Because Where somebody, did that Swain. come from? Somebody had hacked Peter King's Wikipedia <laughs> yes, page to Norm exactly. read that. And then Peter King said, my middle name is Andrew. <laughs> Click. Wow. <laughs> so funny. So great. You don't hang up on Norm. Come on. Well, in truth, it was yeah, right think, at the end of the interview. It was, it was time. toward the but, end, and I think his phone just went out, but it was perfect timing. My middle name is Andrew. Holla. I'm out. <laughs> Boat swing. <laughs> you know, all of that, all of that to say that while baseball players have always been a rough interview and basketball and hockey have always been really good, Football players, I think, over the years have gotten a lot better. I think you're right. And now Mike is the exception. He's great. But generally speaking, football players, I think, over the last 25 years have gotten to be really, really good. But even when you sit down, if it's not one-on-one, just show at training camp. Like, they open up. Yeah. They're really comfortable. They're kind of – and I think before, it took a while for them to loosen up and say anything. And they, Because I think they do feel that it's not all about, hey, what are you going to do on the field this year or whatever. Right. It's kind of, you know, just kind of chopping it up a bit. Yeah, and I, th- I also think most of the time when they're interviewed – they're within five feet of teammates, and I think a lot of them are weirded out about how their dudes perceive what they're saying. Right, Whereas right. if you kind of get them off their turf, even if it's a wider reach, right. they, like they are way more comfortable not being surrounded by colleagues. There was one dude at the media night at the Super Bowl that Jake stopped to ask him something. He said, I'm not doing media tonight, thank you. At it's media, media night. media night. <laughs> really? You plan on doing it. You don't have a podium. You're one of the scrubs that's just walking around. Wow. You know it's really the, weird. You know who the best interviews are in baseball I've found? Relief pitchers. Because at 20 minutes of game time, they go out and sit way out there. And they got nothing to do for three hours. And they go out there and they, they invent games. They do silly stuff. They play games. They're all a little weird. <clears throat> They're all a little weird. And they've all got great stories. And the Rangers reliever, there was a guy named Bob Patterson who came here. So I sat down with him and I said, you've been all around baseball. What are the best bullpens? And he went over the best and the worst bullpens. And I said, 
everybody's got a sort of an unusual story from a bullpen. And he said, yeah, I was pitching with Pittsburgh, I believe, and he was in Wrigley Field. And he said, I'm sitting there, and a guy in the crowd starts hollering, Patterson, Patterson. And he said, you never, ever respond to those people. You don't even look at them. So you sit there, and the guy says, Patterson, Patterson. And he says, Bob, Bob, we need your help. We need your help. Patterson said, well, finally, he looked up. And the guy, because the bullpen was out there by the stands, and he said, the guy said, Uncle Ed's teeth. Uncle Ed's teeth. <laughs> His dentures had fallen? dentures had fallen oh, out over the side and onto the dirt. And Patterson said he went over there, and the first thing he noticed was Uncle Ed had been eating pizza. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, on that note, this roundtable has come to an end. I'm leaving. I'm going home. We've got a lineup change next. We're coming to you from Mullen & Mullen, Injury Law, Ticket Stock 2023 at the Plano Center. Come join us this afternoon. The whole thing is free. Yeah.